Verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you're the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And he said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Thank you, Jesus, for doing the very hard thing of going to the cross to die for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you, uh, you would not be deterred from the path that God had laid out for you, uh, the path of suffering, the path of rejection, the path of death. Thank you, Jesus, that you did all that for us, that we might be forgiven today. Lord, we, we wanna, God, we want to worship you for who you are. Lord Jesus, we want to walk the path that you have placed in front of us. God, we don't want to be a stumbling block to others. Lord Jesus, we, we want to follow you well today. We pray for your Holy Spirit to work in us. We pray, God, that you would, you would work in each of our hearts here today. God, do what's needed in each person. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the disciples and Jesus are walking down the road, and uh, probably they had conversation all the time when they were traveling from place to place. And uh, Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? Um, the answers were varied. Some people say John the Baptist. Some people say one of the prophets, a great teacher. Probably just like they would be today if you took the world as a whole and you asked who, who is Jesus, uh, you would get some of those same answers. He's a great teacher. He's a great man. He's a good, you know, uh, he's a prophet. He was this, he was that. Uh, but then Jesus goes directly to his disciples. He says, all right, but who do you, who do you guys, my followers, who do you, Peter? Who do you, James? Who do you, John? Who do you say that I am? And here we find Peter's starring moment. Okay, everybody usually has a woohoo, I hit it, hit a big moment. Okay, this is Peter's. Uh, in fact, in, in the other Gospels, it really tells us more about it. Mark's pretty quiet about it. Uh, Mark just says that Peter answered and said, you're the Christ. And in the other Gospels, Jesus kind of gives a standing ovation and says, yes, Peter, that's right. You got it. God revealed that to you. And so, so here, here Peter gets it right. He says, you're the Christ. The word Christ, everybody would have known at that time what, what that word, it was very familiar. That word meant the Savior, the Redeemer, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the one who's going to come and deliver us and save us and set everything right and bring in God's reign and bring in God's kingdom. And so Peter is saying a big thing here when he recognizes that, man, Jesus, you're not just a great man. You're just not a, a, a prophet. You're just not a teacher. You are the Christ. You are God's son. And Jesus is like, yes, you got it right, Peter. And then Jesus begins to reveal to them the plan, God's plan for him as the Messiah. If you'll notice in verse uh, 31, he says, the plan is that I must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed. Okay? Now, as we all know, we can go from zero to 60 pretty fast as Christians, can't we? In the sense of we can, we can be on target one minute and blowing it the next, okay? And Peter is a great example of that, okay? Because he's right on target when he says, you're the Christ, and he gets it right. 
But then Jesus says, okay, guys, here's the plan. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to die. And Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus. That is, he actually pulls him aside and says, no, no, that's the wrong plan, Jesus. You missed it. You messed it up. That's not right, Jesus. You're supposed to do something different. Okay? Now, I think sometimes we, we're, we're still tempted to do something similar to Jesus, aren't we? We're still tempted to say, Jesus, I, I, I want you to be my king, but I don't want to listen to you. You know, I mean, don't we do that sometimes? I was teasing Haddon in the first service. I'm his wrestling coach. And uh, we were at a tournament the other day and uh, it's been about a month ago or so. And he was in the third period of a tight match. And it was it was just a couple points difference. And and he got his choice in the third period. And he looks over to me and I said, son, you need to pick down. I said, pick down. I said, you, you get a reversal, son. And I said, you get a reversal, turn this guy and, and you'll win it. I said, this last period, pick down. He looks at the ref and he says, up. You know, I said, Sometimes I think Jesus looks down at us and feels the same way, don't you? I mean, I think sometimes we're just like Peter. We say, Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the king. But then when he tells us his plan, we're like, no, 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 that's wrong. No, that's wrong. You know, isn't that, isn't that true of us sometimes? Sometimes we pull up here in, in our vehicle and we're listening to KJIL and we get a Jesus is my, my co-pilot sticker on the back of our, our minivan and, and we come in and we, we sing, I surrender all and, and we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. And then God reveals his plan to us and we're like, uh-uh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not forgiving my neighbor. I'm not, you know, I'm not giving generously. I'm not going to serve in that. You know, we, we do the exact same thing. That's what Peter does. He says, you're the Christ. But then right away, he, he, he rejects God's plan for redemption. Now, Jesus is pretty certain. He's pretty solid on this plan. Notice verse 31. There's a very interesting word here. He says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must. Do you guys see that word, M-U-S-T? Must, okay? It's an important word in that there is no other option, okay? The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Okay, Jesus is very clear that he is the God's plan for him is the cross. It is an absolute necessity that Jesus die for our sins. There is no other way. There is no other plan. It was not an accident, by the way. You're going to hear people in this world that are going to tell you that Jesus' death was some kind of freak accident, you know? That God had a plan for him, and he was going to take over, and everybody's going to receive him. He was going to be the Messiah, and things just went bad. God turned his back, you know, went to the break room, came back. Jesus is on the cross. Ah, what's happening? Okay, not at all what happened. Okay, in Genesis, the very, the very beginning of the Bible, God creates man. They fall into sin, and right away in Genesis 3, God is already foreshadowing that Jesus Christ would die for our sins. The whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament where a lamb was slain on the altar was pointing to Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53, 700 years before Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, describes for us the image of the Messiah dying for the sins of his people. Okay? It was always the plan of God that Jesus would die for us. And the reason is, is that there is no other plan. There is no other way. You see, here's why he must suffer and he must die and he must be rejected. Because you and I have a sin debt that we can't pay. Now, that's, that's the reason why. We, we, we've been sinning against God since birth. We've rejected God's plan for us, okay? We, we've said no to God instead of saying yes to God. We've not followed him. We've not loved him. We have this sin debt, okay? And we can't, we, we can't pay it. Well, I say we can't pay it. We can pay it. But there, there's, only, there's only two options here, okay? Either we pay for our sins... 
And, and, and by we pay for our sins, the only way we do that is by, by, by being separated from God forever under his wrath in a place the Bible calls hell. Okay? So option A is we all go to hell for our sins because we've transgressed against a holy God. And God is holy and just and he can do nothing other but that, but that punish sin. Okay? So A, option A, we all go to hell. Option B, Jesus Christ, God's son, comes and is born as a man, takes on human flesh, lives a perfect life, the perfect representative. He's one of us, but he never sins. He is pleasing to the Father in every way. All of Jesus' life is pleasing to the Father. And because of Jesus' glory, because of his perfect righteousness, his value, his eternal glory is so high that for him to sacrifice himself is sufficient to pay for all of our sins. That's the only other way. Either we go to hell or Jesus, the righteous son of God, gives himself on the cross as a sacrifice and we're saved. Those who join ourselves to him. Now, Peter's struggling with that. Peter's struggling with, with, with Jesus being the Messiah and now Jesus is telling him, He's going to suffer and he's going to, he's going to be rejected and he's going to be killed. Peter's suffering with that because Jesus has a preconceived notion of what the Messiah should be. Jesus, uh, Peter has a preconceived notion of, of what, the, what the Christ would be. In Peter's mind, the Messiah, the Christ, was going to be a war hero. He was going to be a military general. He was going to be a political leader. He, he, Jesus, what Jesus was telling him didn't fit into Peter's box of who God should be, of who the Messiah should be. Okay? Now listen. That's a big temptation for us today. It's to not receive the Jesus of the Bible, but to make our own Jesus. Okay? You know, in, in Sunday school, when you're little, they, they have you color your, your own Jesus. You know, you, get, you often get a little piece of paper and you got Jesus, you know, teaching or, or healing or, or stilling the storm. And you get to color your Jesus, you know. And, and it's always funny how different people color him, you know. The little girls, you know, Jesus got a little pink sweater on, you know, and, a, uh, you know, a purple pants. And, you know, the little boys, it's all black, you know. Little boys color everything black, you know. And, and but. We hopefully you grow out of that. Some people never grow out of that. Some people still color their own Jesus. You know, and they're like, they, they, they reject who, who the Bible says Jesus is and they make their own. And, and, and you hear people saying all the time, my Jesus, fill in the blank, right? My Jesus is tolerant. My Jesus, he doesn't care what I do. My Jesus, he doesn't care if I go to church or not. My Jesus, he doesn't care if I read my Bible or not. My Jesus, he doesn't care if I stick it to my neighbor. You know, my Jesus doesn't care about that. Well, who exactly is your Jesus, okay? Because he's not the Jesus of the Bible. Some people have a Jesus with no wrath. I've heard people say to me, my Jesus wouldn't send anybody to hell. Who exactly is your Jesus? It's somebody you made up. It's somebody you colored in, okay? But but it's a rejection of the Jesus of the Bible. And Peter is struggling with Jesus telling him that God's plan for the Christ is to suffer and be rejected and be killed. You know why I think Peter struggles with that? Because I think Peter struggles with it in his own personal life. Okay? We all, let's face it, that's not something we, we like to do. I mean, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to turn the other cheek. We don't want to be abused and treated badly. We want... We, we want to be in charge. We want to be in control. We want other people to, to suffer if they hurt us, right? And I think Peter is struggling with who Jesus is saying the Messiah is meant to be. Now, here's the beauty, okay? Are you ready? Jesus doesn't listen to Peter. But Jesus is locked in 100% to the plan of God. 
The plan of God for Jesus is that he would suffer, that he would be rejected, and that he would die. And Jesus is completely sold in on trusting the Father. Now, I don't want you to think that this was easy for Jesus, okay? A lot of times we want to take away Jesus' humanity. Let's think about Jesus, okay? He's 100% God and he's 100% man, okay? There's a lot of times where people want to take away one of those. They want to de-emphasize one of those. And there's times where we want to de-emphasize Jesus' humanity. And we want to almost act like all the struggles that he went through and all the pain that he suffered and everything that he, that he endured. We almost want to act like, that oh, wasn't a big deal. He's Jesus, you know, don't we? We want to take that away. You know, I, I, I've heard people talk in such a way where it's like, man, I'll tell you what, I got it rough, you know. I got it rough. I, got, I had to work 60 hours this week and, you know, I had to, I had to put up with the gripey kids and boy jesus he doesn't understand what i'm going through you know and i'm like hey dude you know he was tortured and suffered and died on the cross for you and well yeah but he was jesus you ever hear people say like that he would they want to take away his humanity listen listen jesus completely trusted the father's will the father's plan for him but it was not easy do you remember the garden of gethsemane the night before the crucifixion you remember what happens jesus is praying and he's praying to the father god if there is any other way take this cup from me and and, and he comes back and he asks the other disciples guys pray for me and he goes back again father if there's any other way take this cup from me take this away god is there is there another way and then he goes back to his disciples and said, guys, pray for me. And he goes back a third time. And the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke 22, 44, says that Jesus was in such distress that he sweated. He broke the capillaries in his head and he sweated drops of blood. That's how much distress he is in. Now, why is he in that much distress? He's in that much distress because he is about to take on the sins of the world. Okay? Now, I can't fathom what Jesus was up against here. Okay? Let's just begin to think about it. Number one, he knows he's going to be tortured. He knows he's going to... He He's going to be mocked and spit upon and rejected and whipped and scourged and staked to a piece of a wood and hung up naked in front of the world until he suffocates to death. Okay? He knows that's coming. Now, listen, I, I sure don't want to die being tortured, okay? But if I am died being tortured, I don't want to know about it until it happens, okay? I mean, I... Can you imagine? Jesus knows this is coming. He lives his life knowing this is coming for me. Can you imagine the heaviness of that? But here's the interesting thing. That's not even the big part. Okay? The big part is Jesus is about to take upon himself the guilt and the filth and the sin of humanity. Now, you and I don't really have any way to grab, grab a hold of what, what, what's that like? I was trying to think of a way to... Uh, to, to feel, okay, is there, is, there, is there something in our lives that we could kind of identify with Jesus taking on the sin of others? And I just don't know that there is. The, the closest thing I can think of, I, th- I thought of guilt. Is there a way that we can figure out what was it like for Jesus to take on the guilt and shame of, of everybody, okay? And the only thing I can think of is when I was in college, this is a, this is a, <laughs> it was a traumatic thing for me. It's still hard for me to talk about. I, tell, I talked to Michelle this morning. She came in my office um, right as I was kind of finishing up. And I said, hey, let me, let me share this story with you. And I want you to tell me two things. I want you to, to tell me, you know, do you think it's a good illustration? And number two, do you think people will think I really did it? You know, because <laughs> it's still hard for me to talk about. But I was in college. I was at home with, with my wife and little baby Hannah at that time. And I got a phone call and it's a lady. It's a young lady. I still don't know who it was, still don't know her name. But she said, she said, are you Jason Dirks? And I said, yes. And she said, 
well, I want you to know that I'm going to turn you in and I'm going to talk to the, the theology professors, the school about you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, you've been calling me and, 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 and saying obscene things on the phone. And I said, ma'am, I have no idea what you're even talking about. And she said, well, it's been you. She said, it's, you've done it several times. And I said, why would you think that it's me? And she said, well, you told me your name. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, you called and you said all these obscene things. And then you said, I'm Jason Dirks. And I, I tried to reason with her. I was like, first of all, ma'am, if I were going to do that, why would I tell you my name? You know, uh, I said, well, <laughs> you know, but I mean, she wouldn't budge. I, I halfway think it was a, it was a cruel joke is kind of what I I've kind of concluded maybe. Um, but anyway, she hung up and answered the phone. And, and man, I tell you, it was so heavy for me that I, I felt like I was bearing the guilt for something I had not done. I, was, I felt like I was bearing the shame for something I had not done. Still bothers me to this day. Um, and I was thinking about that. Jesus really did do that. He really did take on the shame for things he did not do. He really did take on the guilt. He, he owned it. The Bible says he became sin for us. God heaped upon him all of your filth, all of your dirty laundry, all of your embarrassing junk. God heaped upon Jesus and he paid for it. Man, what was that like? We'll never know. We'll never know. But I do know it was an agonizing thing, okay? So that's what Jesus has got in front of him. He's got this, this agonizing, horrendous path that God has called him to walk. Okay? That's hard enough as it is, right? But now he's got Peter, one of his best guys, you know? The, the guy who 10 minutes ago just recognized that he's the Christ. And what's Peter trying to do? Peter's trying to get him to not do what God wants him to do. To not go to the cross. And Jesus reacts aggressively against Peter. And I believe he does so because I believe the devil had, had been pounding Jesus with this temptation to quit. To take another path from the beginning. If you go back into the, the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 is Jesus' initial temptation by the devil. Okay, so Jesus is baptized. He immediately goes out into the wilderness. And the devil tempts him with three things. You guys remember the story? The devil tempts him with three things, okay? Here are the three things. Number one, he tempts him to turn uh, rocks, to turn stones into bread. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. He's fasting in obedience to the Father. He's preparing himself for his ministry. And, Jesus, and the devil comes and says, man, you're really hungry. Hey, you don't need to be hungry. You don't need to, you don't need to trust God with this thing. Thing, just turn these stones into bread. You can do it. You're the son of God. He comes to him a second time and he takes him to the top of the, of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, Jesus, if you'll just jump off here, let me show you what the scripture says in the book of Psalms. The devil misquotes scripture, by the way. He says, here, if you'll just jump off, the angels will catch you. Everybody will know you're the Messiah. He says, just, just do it. Just jump. Right now, this deal can be over. Right now, you can be accepted by everyone. Jump off. There'll be this, this big, glorious display of these angels coming in and swooping you up. And you don't got to go to the cross. You don't got to suffer. You don't got to be rejected. This is another way. And look, it's even right here in Psalms. Then he goes a third time, takes him to the top of the highest mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Says, hey, Jesus, I know, I know you want the world. I know you love these people. I, 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 I know this is what you're after. Hey, listen, I'll just give it to you now. Okay, you don't got to go to the cross. You don't got to suffer for him. You don't got to follow. I'll, I'll, just, I'll go ahead and give it all to you now. Just worship me. You see, the devil pounding Jesus 
with, with this temptation to take the easy way, right? Take the easy way. Some of you got a hard path in your life, right? It's probably true. Some of you have a hard path in your life. Some of you, God's called you to do a hard thing, or maybe you just find yourself in a hard thing. Maybe you've got a hard mission field in your family. Maybe you've got health struggles that won't seem to go away. Maybe you've got a difficult marriage. Maybe you've got a tough financial situation. And, and, and you know exactly what God's called you to do. And man, I'll tell you what, there's going to be a temptation after temptation, isn't there? To take the easy way. Just, it's too hard. This is too, just quit. Quit. Just do another way. Go, go a day. No, everybody will understand. It's too hard. Man, Jesus is being pounded with that. And now it's coming out of the mouth of his best guy, Peter. Well, how does Jesus respond to that? Well, here's what the scripture says. Let's, let's just read it. It says, get behind me, Satan. I don't think he's calling Peter the devil, okay? But I think he is rebuking the voice of the devil through Peter, okay? Now, now I want you to see a couple things here. Number one, Jesus never played around with temptation. It is a great example for us. Jesus didn't play around with it. You know, uh, if anybody could have played around with it, it would have been Jesus, right? I mean, who's the strongest? Jesus. Who knows the most scripture? Jesus. You know, who, who's closest to the Father? Jesus. Okay, in every way, Jesus was the best of us, okay? But he did not play around with temptation. He, 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 didn't, he didn't linger with it. He wasn't careless with it. He wasn't sloppy with it. He is fierce against temptation, okay? Now, I, I just wonder, how, did, how exactly did it sound? You know, we have the words written here for us, get behind me, Satan. But how exactly did it sound? Let, let me give you some options, okay? Did Jesus turn around, put his arm around Peter and say, get behind me, Satan? Option A, you know? Was he, was he kind of careless about it? Hey, 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 get behind me, Satan. You know? I don't know. Those don't seem viable to me. I kind of think it went something like this. Get out of my face. Don't you? Don't you think it was that? Isn't that the spirit of it? Get, get back. Get behind. You know, he recognized this, this temptation of the devil that said, don't go to the cross. There's an easier way. You shouldn't have to do this. And Jesus responds immediately in rebuking the source of temptation. You know, I, I, think, I think we as Christians, so many times we, we, we have this wrong, okay? We have this wrong. What, what we want to do oftentimes is we're kind of harsh with people, okay? Sometimes we're kind of harsh with people, harsh with frustrating people, harsh with irritating people. And we're really soft on our own sin, okay? So other people's sin, we're right there to, hey, you know, nah, ah, 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 okay? When we sin, we're like, oh, you know, everybody can, everybody slips up. Nobody's perfect, you know? All of a sudden, we turn into mamby-pamby, okay? Switch those around, okay? We, we ought to be gracious with other people, okay? We, we ought to be merciful with other people, and we ought to be hard on our own temptations. We, we ought to be aggressive. We, 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 ought to react, we ought to react as if our life is being threatened, okay? You know what the biggest threat to your life is? Sin. The biggest threat to harm you, to harm your family, to harm your life, to harm your future is sin. And so you, you ought to react to sin as if your, your family and yourself is being threatened. How, 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 how would you respond if uh, someone offered your kid meth? How would you respond to that? How would you respond if uh, someone propositioned your wife to an adulterous affair? 
How would you respond if uh, you're getting ready to go on vacation, someone's lying under your van, clipping the brake lines, huh? How do you respond, huh? What do you think? Got a bunch of you concealed carry folks in there, right? You're be quick draw McGraw, wouldn't it? (laughs) How do you respond to sin? How do you respond when, when you know you're being tempted to step out of God's plan for your life? Man, it ought to be twice as vehement. It's a threat. All right, new question. Are you ready? Sermon's half over. No, not really. It's, it's almost over. But I want you to keep listening. Okay. If Peter could be used of Satan to influence others into sin, if that's what's happening here, Jesus looks at him and says, man, this is the voice of Satan. This is, this is a temptation. If Peter could be fooled into doing that, because look, look why. Look why. Verse 33. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Okay? So when... If our mindset is not on God's values, God's truth, God's eternity, but our mindset is on man's values, man's priorities, man's truth, then is it possible that that well-meaning people could actually influence us off God's path because their mind is not on God's things but man's? Is it possible that we could be one of those people? Is it possible that if we don't have our mind set upon God's truth but upon man's, that we could influence people wrongly? Let me give you three situations, all three with I've dealt with multiple times, and I've I've seen happen right in front of my eyes. The the first two, the first one I've seen a couple times, the second one I've seen probably thirty times, the third one I've seen weekly. Okay. These are real examples, okay? Now I've kind of changed details and stuff. I'm not talking about I'm just these are not, the details are not accurate, okay? So don't be thinking, who is that, okay? All right? But these are real situations. Okay, take a sweet, young uh, 17-year-old girl, high school girl, straight-A student, 32 on her ACT, president of the debate club, captain of the cheerleading squad, makes a mistake, falls into sin, gets pregnant. She knows it's a mistake. She knows she, knows she shouldn't have done it. She's repentant over that. Man, she's got college scholarships. She's already got, she's already got secondary, you know, law school coming up. Parents have been saving. This guy's not the guy for her. Everybody knows it. In those situations, I've dealt with several in which well-meaning people, and I really want to, I want to emphasize this: well-meaning people who love her. They're not trying to hurt her at all. They're trying, they love her. I don't think Peter was trying to hurt Jesus. Do you? He loved Jesus. But, but people who did not have their eyes on the things of God, they had their eyes on the things of man. And, and I've seen folks that even, they, they, they profess to be believers, and they've encouraged that young lady to have an abortion. Just get rid of that baby. You'll, the rest of your life's ahead of you, sweetheart. You know what? You just need to get past this. You just need to get on from this. You can recover from this. Listen, that's not... That's not the things of God. That's the things of man. What's the things of God? The things of God is, you know what God's plan is for that young lady? God's plan is for her to repent, for her to to buckle down for the Lord, 
and, and to either raise that baby or give that baby up for adoption, let that baby live, have a good life, and trust that God will take care of her. Amen? God will take care of her. God's not going to let her down. Situation number two. Got a miserable marriage. Lots of water under the bridge. Lots of unforgiveness. Lots of festering bitterness, cold resentment, no affection. Maybe you add into the mix some depression. Maybe you add into there some substance abuse. Just a bad situation. And you got somebody in there who's really struggling. They're struggling to try to obey God and follow His plan. And it is hard. It's hard. It's hard to be in a difficult marriage. And inevitably, you'll have some friends, and they genuinely love that person. They love that guy. They love that gal. They, they love that person. And then they're well-intentioned, but their eyes are not on the things of God. Their eyes are on the things of man. And so you know what they're telling that person? Hey, you know what? You tried. Just get out. Just, you know what? You, you deserve better. I've heard that a thousand times. You deserve better. These are better. You, you, you just need to give up on that. You know, go after something else. You, God, God's got something better for you. You know, you tried. That's enough. End it. Man, be careful. Be careful. Is it true that sometimes marriages end? You bet. You bet. It's true. Sometimes there's perpetual adultery. Sometimes, there, I mean, sometimes it, it, I get that. Okay. There's a lot of times where somebody's fighting real hard to obey God's plan. And there are people that come alongside and they're not helping them. They're not helping them obey God's plan. They're not helping them do the hard thing. They're, 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 they're tempting them to take the easy way out. Let me give you one more. Somebody hurts you. Somebody does you wrong. They cheat you. They lie about you. Hurt you financially maybe. Hurt your reputation. Maybe they even do something that just causes a lot of misery in your life for a long time. And then, this happens a lot, doesn't it? Things kind of spin around and all of a sudden, you got the opportunity to stick it to them. We got friends saying, Oh, I see it all the time on Facebook. Some kind of quote about karma or whatever, you know. They're they're just ready to. Yeah, now nail him, nail him. That's the right thing. God, God sent this around. You just, you hammer them. You deserve, they deserve it. You know what? They're just getting what they deserve. Is that the things of God? Is that the plan of God? Is that the hard thing God's calling you to do? That's somebody, that's somebody trying to tempt you. To jump off of God's plan onto the easy way. Now listen. A couple things here. Number one. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to cause somebody to stumble. We just need to embrace that. Man, God's got a plan for each of our lives. It's a heavy thing. To do something to push somebody off that plan. Let me, let me, let me show you. Mark nine forty two. Just the next chapter in your Bible. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It'd be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. That's pretty clear. (laughs) Jesus is saying, don't do it, man. Don't. If someone's struggling to obey God and do this hard thing God's put in front of them, don't don't push them off. Don't encourage them out. Help them. Help them do the hard thing. You, You know what Peter needed here? Peter, or I'm sorry, you know what Jesus needed? Jesus needed Peter to say, man, Lord, 
gosh, this is, you're going to have to die. You're going to have to suffer. Man, Jesus, we're behind you. And we, we don't understand all that God's doing here, but we trust him. And man, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that you be strong. We're going to pray that you, 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 you obey God. I don't understand it all, Jesus, but man, we're with you. We're with you. Not pulling him aside and saying, no, that's stupid. Don't, don't do that. Don't go suffer. Don't go die. Don't, well, don't be rejected. Man, you don't deserve that. Romans 8, 5 says to us as Christians, says those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. I am so glad today that Jesus did not listen to Peter. Aren't you? Man, I don't want to go to hell. I really don't. I mean, I, I tell you what, I celebrate today the fact that I can be forgiven because of Jesus. I can be joined to Jesus and all of my sin can be forgiven. All of my sin. You know what? Here's good news today. Maybe, maybe you found yourself, you look back in your history and you're like, man, I was one of those people. I, I, I pushed, I hope someone detour off God's plan. That's a heavy thing. But you know what? You can be forgiven. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't listen to Peter? You can embrace the plan of God today for your redemption because Jesus stuck to God's plan and he died for your sins. I want us to stick to God's plan. Let's stick to God's plan. Is it going to be hard? Yes, sometimes it will be. Will there be seasons of just struggle? Yes, there will be. Will God be faithful to us? You bet. Will it be good on the other side? Absolutely. We can trust him. We can trust him. Amen? Let's trust him today. Let's, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you. Jesus, that you died for our sins. I thank you that you paid the price for our redemption. I thank you, Jesus, that, that you are taking care of us so well. And Lord, we want, we want your plan for our lives. Lord, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's a struggle, uh, God, even when we don't fully understand, God, help us to, to stick our mind, our eyes upon the things of God and not the things of man. Lord, I pray that we would be great encouragers to our brothers and sisters to walk in faith, to follow your plan, no matter what it is, God. Help us to be faithful in that. Lord, please draw people to yourself today. I pray, Lord, if there are people here today in our our service who have not put their trust in you, who've not not ever trusted your plan of, of the cross for their life, I pray that they would embrace that. Just as Brendan and Colton did, God, I pray that there'd be more who would come to Christ. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.